This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. I, I don't really understand how this works exactly. I, I walk through the whole campus, and um, this is like that. You—it's a seminary. This is like a seminary, or uh, okay, whatever. It doesn't really matter what it is. Okay, so somebody asked me on my way here, "What are you speaking about?" I told her Hanukkah. She got all nervous. Um, of course. We're going to talk about Elul, the month of Elul, which we're in right now. Uh, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. So we're going to talk a little bit about the month of Elul. Now, Elul, well, first of all, I'll introduce myself. My name is Zachary Wallerstein. Um, I've been a Rebbe for 30 years in a place called Crown Heights Yeshiva in Mill Basin, 8th grade Rebbe. I run a program, some of you girls I recognize. Um, I run a program called Arnava in Brooklyn. Um, we started five years ago with... 16 girls. For Hashem, we now have over 3,000. Um, it's a program every single night of the week. There's learning, there's karate, kickboxing, and baking, and all, all kinds of good things. And uh, Baruch Hashem, it's been spreading. Um, tomorrow night, we're opening, actually, in the West Coast, in California. There are a lot of girls that wanted us to be in California, so they're opening up in Ornava, in California. And I'm getting a lot of pressure about Queens. Um, so anybody in this room that wants to open up a place for girls in Queens, go ahead and open it up because it would be an amazing thing. It's very, 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 very needed. Um, we'll gladly teach you the model on how to do it. It's very simple and um, it's really, really needed. And girls need a place to go at night when you're not going to college, you know, to learn, to grow, to meet each other. So whoever is interested and wants to talk to me afterwards, I'll, we'll gladly try to help you. All right. So I don't know how much time do I have? For 1.30. Okay, half an hour. That's usually my introduction. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry that I'm late, but I'm from Brooklyn, and this is Queens. And you got to allow yourself 79th Road, 79th Place, 79th Terrace. My GPS said it's, it's a, it has a woman's voice, and she, she talks with an English accent. And she's like, what, what's going on here? I can't find the college. So when your GPS can't find the college, you know already you're in big trouble. Okay, Baruch Hashem. So I'm going to talk very fast. You listen fast, I'll talk fast, and we'll get an hour, share, and a half an hour. Hmm. Okay, I don't think I lost. I went to college. Okay, anyway. So, Elul stands for the words, Ani Lododi, Lododi Li. Have you ever heard that before? I am to my loved one, and my loved one is to me. What does that have to do with Elul? That's very romantic. It's very nice. But the month of Elul is a month of tshuva. And asking forgiveness, it's full of fear because in exactly 27 days, every girl in this room and every guy in this room is going to be judged by themselves in front of God if they're going to live out that year, if they're going to be healthy, if they're going to find the shidduch, whatever they need, whatever's going to happen is all written in the month of Elul. The mashkiach of uh, Mir Yeshiva said he was at a Levaya, and um, he asked one of his Talmudim, how did this person die? And the Talmud said to him, in February, he caught a very bad cold, and it became pneumonia, and then, you know, in those days, they didn't have uh, antibiotics, and he died from pneumonia. He said it all started in February. So the Mashkiach looked at him and said, uh-uh. He didn't die from pneumonia, and it didn't start in February. He died from a gezerah, an edict that was written on Rosh Hashanah. And it started on Rosh Hashanah. Because if they would have stamped him in the book of life on Rosh Hashanah, he wouldn't be, he, he wouldn't be dead now. So, 
Everything that happens the whole year to you didn't happen a whole year to you. It happened in one moment on either Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur or in that series you made tshuva when they opened up your books and your book of health and your book of life and your book of marriage, your book of children, your book of shalom, your book of intelligence. There's, there's hundreds of books in Shemayim. And when that is all written, that is what's going to cause whatever goes on during that year. So it's an extremely terrifying time, the month, the, the 27 days before your judgment day is not a time to say, I love you and you love me. Wow. So what's going on here that the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Ethics writes that Elul stands for I Mila Daidi Another thing that it stands for is Ishlari Eyu Umatanas Le'Evyonim. It's also the Rosh Hashanah of Elul. And that's been Elul Mechaveiro, Ishlari Eyu, a man to his friend, Umatanas Le'Evyonim, and giving to the poor. So, there's two parts of Elul. There's Anila Daidi Daidi, me to God, God to me, me to Hashem, Hashem to me, me to my loved one, my loved one to me. And the second part, which is equally as important, is me to my friend and my friend to me. Because no matter how good a person you are to God, if you treat people wrong, Hashem can't forgive you for that. He can forgive you for anything you do wrong to Him. He cannot forgive you for anything that you do wrong to another girl or to another person or to your parents. He can't forgive you for what you do wrong to your parents. You can sit a whole Rosh Hashanah Kippur and say, I'm sorry Hashem, I insulted my mother, I screamed at my mother, I didn't listen to my mother, and Hashem can do nothing about it. Because He can't forgive you for something that you did to someone else. So there's two parts to Elul. One part is between you and Hashem, and one part is between you and another human being. And guess which part is harder? The part between you and another human being is much harder. Because you have to remember every single person that you hurt. Hashem, every Avera you did, it's to one being. So you can stand on your, on your Rosh Hashanah and say, Hashem, forgive me for everything I did wrong to you. Cool. If He gives you, you got it all done. But if you hurt Rachel and Miriam and Hannah and your grandmother and your cousin and your friend and that, and you go to your mother and say, could you forgive me for everyone that I did wrong to? She can't. So, the second part, the Ishlari Eyum of Yonim girls, is harder than the first part. So there's, there's three secrets that I want to talk about um, in Elul that we need to concentrate on. Well, let's start off with the Ben Al-Machavero. So there's a story, I, I don't know how many girls here, you listen, you know, we're on Torah, that camera back there is um, TorahAnytime.com. And we do a little advertising for them. Um, TorahAnytime.com ruined my life. Totally. <laughs> totally ruined my life. I'll tell you how they ruined my life. So I, I used to, all my shiurim are on Kohaloshin. Kohaloshin is a phone number. You call, you hit a couple of buttons, and you hear all types of rabbis, different shiurim. You could hear it any time. And I was always on Kohaloshin, and nobody knew what it looked like. They knew my voice, but no one knew what I looked like. So I got away with doing all kinds of things. I could go to a restaurant, I could eat with my hands, nobody knew that was me. You know, I didn't have to get dressed every day, didn't have to shave every day. Nobody knew, nobody knew what Rabbi Wallstein was. Along came TorahAnytime.com, they showed up, and they said, we want to film every time you give a share, and we're going to put it on the internet, even though I'm very anti the internet, right? So I wouldn't tell you to get internet to get TorahAnytime.com, but if you're never forced, because you have no choice in life, because you have to do schoolwork or whatever it is, and you have to have internet, then there's a place called TorahAnytime.com on it. Now, chas v'shav, you know one in this room, and I'm not. that's not my subject today, but everyone else, I talk about this a lot. I get a lot of emails from girls about this. I'm sure that there's no one here that's on Facebook that wouldn't be a place that a Jewish girl would put her name or her pictures or anything like that. Um, so we're not going to even talk about Facebook, but even when you're on a computer and you're on the internet, 
right? So there's a place called TorahAnytime.com where you can get Rabbi Wallstein and Rabbi Lamb and Rabbi Mizrahi, and there's like 80 rabbis giving shiurim, and you can actually see them giving the shir. So they really ruined my life because now I go around, everyone knows what I look like. So I have to behave, and I have to shave, and I have to get dressed, and I, people come up to me in the middle of the restaurant. You're Rabbi Wallstein, right? And I'm like, uh, uh, I saw you on Torah anytime. Uh, yeah, okay, that's me. I can't lie. You know what I mean? So they're amazing because listening to a shir on a tape is uh, is one level. But when you see the person talking, it's it's you get a lot more out of the shir. Of course, in person, you even get more than that. And since they've been on, Baruch Hashem, I, I know that they get 150,000 hits a month. They're over a million hits a year. Where people come to this website to to learn Torah. In fact, um, I got a I got a very interesting. I get a lot of phone calls, and I got a very interesting phone call um, last week. And I don't usually get a chance to call back my phone calls. I'm usually about 100, 150 phone calls behind, so I'm usually two weeks behind calling back anybody. But for some reason, this voice when I heard the message, uh, it sounded very professional, you know, very businesslike. And I thought, maybe it's someone who wants to give money to Arnava. So I figured, let me call him back right away. So I call him back right away, and I, and, and I say, hi, this is Rabbi Wallerstein calling. And the voice on the other end says, oh, you do call back. I'm like, yes. He goes, well, I want to introduce myself. My name is Reverend so-and-so. I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm a Catholic minister in the Bible Belt, in Florida. I'm like, okay. And I don't miss your shear on TorahAnytime.com. Every single week, me, my wife, and my three daughters, we listen to your class. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> because, you know, I say some, sometimes about the Goyim things, you know, don't. Don't act like them. And, and, I'm, and now I'm starting to like, oh my goodness, now I'm in big trouble. He says, and I want you to know that you have the emo- you have amazing stories. And I started to preach, it's a true story, in my church, I started telling over Rabbi Wallerstein and Rabbi Lamb stories. <laughs> and they threw me out. They threw him out of the church. He says, and I lost my job as the preacher. And I want to become Jewish because... Your, your, your religion is the religion, and I want you to know that Christianity, I know for a fact, is not true. So I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I'll get him before Gateways, and I'll have him with me, and we'll go speak all over the United States, and he's going to get up, and everyone's going to come, I'm, you know, a minister who became a Jew, and, and he can prove that Christianity, you know. Anyway, I said to him, listen, I, I'm, I'm really sorry, but if you know anything about the Jewish religion, we do not want converts. Why do you need 613 mitzvahs? You know, just keep your seven mitzvahs that you're supposed to keep. So he said a very profound thing, which, which the reason I'm telling you this, and he said the following. He said, Rabbi Wallerstein, I know. Um, I'm not, you don't want non-Jews, Gentiles to become Jews. He says, but me and my wife and my daughters, we, we can't live a life of a lie. And now that we know the truth, we, we just can't live our life like this. He said, I lost my parish, I lost my church, I lost my parents, and I lost all my friends. But we know that, that you're speaking, the, he called it the word. You're speaking the word, and, and that Judaism is the truth, 
and therefore I'm begging you to connect me with someone that we could talk to about converting. And, and through Torah anytime, Baruch Hashem, he spoke to Rabbi Mizrahi, whatever's going to be is going to be. But the reason I'm repeating it is that we, I had to hear, we have to hear from a priest of a Catholic church to tell us, the Jewish nation, that, we, that they're living a lie and that we are the word and that we are the truth. We have to hear that from other people or we have to hear that from ourselves. So this was amazing, and this is, this is the Kayach of Torah, anytime.com, and they follow me wherever I go. If I sit in the kitchen, and I'm having breakfast, I have a skylight, they're there. It's, it's a dangerous thing. But if you happen to go onto the internet for some silly reason, um, end up in, a, in this good place, end up in TorahAnytime.com, and um, listen to, you don't have to listen to my shir, there's a lot of other shirim. Just a good place that anytime, wherever you are, you get a chance, you can really learn. There's a special shirim for girls. And, and he's got some really, he's got, I think he's got Rabbi Rieti, he's got a lot of different rabbis speaking. So, you know, jump in on that. Okay, Let's, we don't have that much time, so let, let, me, let me tell you a story about Ben Adam Machavero. So there's a great tzaddik in Eretz Yisrael, his name is Rav Chaim Kaneski, and I'm sure any of the girls that were in Eretz Yisrael probably went to try to get a bracha from his wife. They say that the Rebetzin's bracha is bigger than his bracha. Anyway, he's a very holy man, he is the guttel of the whole door, he's the, the top of the top of the top. And there was a, a, a couple that came to him. They were married close to 20 years and they had no children. And they came to Reb Chaim and they asked him for a bracha for children. And Reb Chaim said to them, I'm really sorry, which is not like him to talk like this. And he said, I'm really, really sorry, but I can't give you such a bracha. The, the, the gates of Shemayim are closed over here. My bracha is not going to help you. So the, the girl started to, she was like, she came to Rechaim for a bracha to have children after 20 years, and he's telling her that the gates are closed, that it's not, that it's not going to happen. So she started to like really get freak out. She started to cry, to get hysterical. I can't believe this. This, this, this is what the girl outdoors is telling me, you know? So Rechaim saw this, and he said to her, okay, okay, calm down. He says, I'll tell you what. I cannot give you a bracha. My bracha will not help you. But if you find somebody who was embarrassed in public and didn't answer back, that person's bracha will be mekoyim, will come true. So she said, well, I'm going to go out to the street and say, you embarrass her and then she shouldn't say anything and then you give me a bracha? She said, how's that going to work? He said, that you have to have siyati nishmaya. If it happens, it happens. You can't set that up. Okay, that was the end of it. At the same, Rav Chaim is the one who said over the story, by the way. An important bracha for a speaker to say. Because all our words come from HaKadosh Baruch Shahako Everything comes from his words, not my words. So I'm just a conduit, just a gutter. And the prayer of a speaker is that the water that runs through the gutter, that couple of drops should be left for me. So my, my prayer before I walked into this room today was I know what I want to speak about. I wrote notes what I want to speak about. But not always what I want to speak about is what you need to hear. So my prayer before I speak to Hashem is that I should say what you need to hear, not what I need to say. So I hope that whatever I say today is somebody in this room needed to hear it. Maybe the part about how you treat how you treat your parents. Maybe there's one person in here. Maybe the part about Facebook. I don't know. But something in what I'm saying, somebody in this room needs to hear. So anyway, on the other side of B'nai Barak, I'm ADD, by the way. So I will continue in the middle of my... Stories going somewhere else. Just you have to get used to a wall. And Baruch Hashem, I'm, 
you know, I'm out of therapy, I'm off my medication, and I'm, I'm speaking already for a long time. And you just have to get used to me switching. I switch a lot. So just hang on, hang on. So anyway, so she goes out, and she goes home with her, and she's very broken. Where is she going to find someone that got insulted in public? At the same moment, on the other side of B'nai Barak, there's this young couple who is looking at an apartment to buy. And they're really at the end of it, ready to buy the, the apartment. And they're dealing with the baladira. And all of a sudden, this lady walks in, crazy lady, and starts screaming at this young couple. This is my apartment, and you want to steal it from me, and I'm going to be on the street, and my five kids are going to be on the street. You're not allowed to buy this. This is Geneva. This is my apartment. And she's screaming and yelling. These, this young couple, like, they didn't know what they walked into over here. So they turn to the baladira, the one who's selling, goes, what are you doing? Why are you selling us something that belongs to her? He says, come here, let me tell you something. She's crazy. Everyone in B'nai Brak knows she's the crazy lady of B'nai Brak. She, she, she has an apartment. She doesn't need an apartment. She, you know, we all give her tzedakah. We take care of her. She does this. She runs around. She says crazy things. Don't, don't pay attention. Okay. So they went ahead and they bought the apartment. And they never saw this lady again. Two years later, this young couple is at a wedding in B'nai Brak. This young girl and her husband, the husband's on his side of Mechitza, girl's on her side of Mechitza, and all of a sudden, this old lady that was, that scrimped at the girl walks into the wedding and sees this girl that she screamed at two years before. And she starts yelling at her in front of everyone, you're the goddess, because of you I'm out on the street, and my children are starving, and you knew that was my apartment, and you bought it anyway. And this girl recognized that this is the crazy lady. And everybody, everyone's looking at this girl. And they're thinking, you know, oh my God, this girl, she stole an apartment from an old lady. Everyone's, you know, and she's turning all red, this young girl. She's turning all red. And she's about to tell this old lady, like, you know, she has to defend herself. Someone yelled at you in public that you did something and you don't defend yourself. And everyone's going to think it's true. So she's about to turn around and say, what do you mean? The baladira told me you have an apartment, you have money, your kids are taken care of. Leave me alone. But before she got a chance to answer this girl back, someone put their hand on, this, on her shoulder and said, I'm begging you, I'm begging you, let her scream at you and don't answer her. Now, she turns around and there's this older woman in her 40s, right, who she never met before, telling her, take this hit, get embarrassed, get yelled at, and don't answer back. Who are, who are you? She says, I'm just asking you the biggest favor of my life. Don't answer her back. Just let her embarrass you. So she stood there. Okay, fine. And this old lady was yelling at her, and she was mamish crying. She, she wouldn't answer her back. Finally, she, the old lady walked out. The girl who tapped her on the back said, now I'm going to ask you one more favor. First of all, thank you for not answering back, but I'm going to ask you one more favor. Give me a bracha. I don't have children. It's 22 years I'm married. Could you give me a bracha that I should have a child? She said, me? What am I? I'm a, I'm a young Kylo woman married. What my bracha... So it's interesting. She said, why don't you go to Rav Chaim? The girl had door. And get, if you didn't have children for 22 years, go there and get him or get from him a bracha. She said, no, Rav Chaim said I should go to you. So Rav Chaim doesn't know me. He says, no, but what you just did, Rav Chaim said I should get a bracha from you. So she gave her a bracha that next year, by this time, you should have a child. She got pregnant and had a child. She invited this girl who got embarrassed, and she invited Rav Chaim to the wedding. Rav Chaim wanted to see who gave the bracha. And Rav Chaim tells the story over. The power that when a person is abused in public, is embarrassed by a teacher, by a friend, by a parent. 
and swallows it and doesn't answer back, you have a bigger kayach to give a bracha to break the walls of Shemayim down than the biggest gadol hadar. Now, I said this story two weeks ago in my Chaburah for boys. There's a young boy that comes to my Chaburah who's in a wheelchair his whole life. He was born without legs. And he sits in his wheelchair next to me by my Chabura every single Tuesday night. And it's the greatest feeling. He sits there and he smiles. And last night, after my riv, he wheels, this is a true story, this time last night, he wheels his wheelchair up to me. And he says, Rabbi, today I have to give you a bracha. I'm like, a bracha from this kid at any time would be like huge. I said, what's today, your birthday? He said, no, I was on Avenue J today. And I was collecting money. He sits with a little cup and he collects money. And this person started screaming at me, just because you don't have legs, why don't you get a job? He says, and I was so embarrassed in front of everyone. He says, but Rebbe, I remember what you said. So I just sat there and I put my head down. Imagine a, guy in a, a kid in a wheelchair. He says, I just put my head down and I didn't answer him back. So now I have the strength to give you a bracha. And he gave me an amazing bracha last night, which I am sure will be Mequim. The kayak of a person, the strength of a person. And that, it's not easy. I'm not telling you it's something easy. It's easy if I prepare you and tell you. Someone's coming into the room, they're going to insult you. Don't answer them back. But when you get insulted all of a sudden and embarrassed, if you're able not to answer back, and that means your parents are screaming at you in front of everybody. And you just, even if you're right, even if you're right, and you just take it in and you don't answer back, it gives you a strength of bracha, of tefillah, that the greatest tzaddik in the world doesn't have. It's hard. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's a level. And let me tell you something. And you do it a couple of times, nobody can get under your skin. Be a little selfish. If somebody yells at you and embarrasses you, and it makes you crazy, they won. You lost. If someone embarrasses you and yells at you, and it doesn't make you crazy, you just put your head down and say, you know what, I feel bad, you know, I don't have time today to talk about this. But I talk about anger, about anger management. I talk about it a lot. Because it's a very important thing. A person who has a very bad temper is worse than serving a Vaidizar, it says in the Gemara. And there's a lot of people who have very bad tempers. And one of them standing right in front of you named Rabbi Wallerstein. I, as a kid, had a crazy temper. I was a hockey player, and I earned the most penalty minutes ever, ever, in the league that I played. I, I owned the penalty bench. It was my bench. I had my name on the back, like in the shul. You have a name? It said Wallerstein. You, you looked at me wrong, I punched you out. Okay? I had a crazy temper. I'm a Kayan, that's not an excuse. I had a crazy temper. And in the 12th grade, I was sitting in the base medrash in Muncie, and I don't remember exactly what he said to me, because today he's really one of my closest friends. And one, a boy turned around, he said something nasty. I don't know what he said. But whatever he said, he shouldn't have said. And in the base medrash, in front of everyone, I just got up, and I just popped him one right in the face. And of course, I got thrown out of yeshiva. You can't punch a kid in base medrash. And my Rebbe saw, this is not going to work out very well for Zechariah Wallstein. If he's going to continue, every time someone looks at him the wrong way, it's not a hockey court, it's a base medrash. And he sat me down, and he told me the following words. And since then, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, I don't want to give myself an ayin hara. It's a long time since I've been angry. What did he tell me to do? So most people tell you anger management, count sheep. I don't like sheep. I'm not counting sheep. <laughs> All right, count money, suck it up inside, and don't say anything, and then it stays inside, and it 
gets worse and worse and worse. So my Rebbe said, anger is an emotion. Take your anger and change the emotion. The emotion is going to be there. Change the emotion. What do I change the emotion into? He said, sympathy, pity, compassion. Yeah, right. Someone's yelling at you. Oh, I, I have compassion for you. I need to die, deal to die, deal right? This is, what he, this is how he explained it to me, and it works. Listen carefully. Someone's out of control. They're yelling at you. Out of control. Now look at that person and say, here's a human being. The sun's out. Beautiful. Look at the grounds, the trees. It's a beautiful world we live in. You woke up this morning. You could see. You could hear. You could breathe. You could taste cold. You could taste hot. Uh, it's crazy. What, what Hashem gives us, what we have, is crazy, right? Now this person's screaming at you out of control. Nebuch on her. She has no life. This person's going around bad-mouthing me. Talking Lush and because she's jealous of me. Nebuch. She has no self-esteem. She has to step on me to step up. I'm not angry at such a person. I feel bad for such a person. She said... When, you get, when, when someone does that to you, go daven for them. That Hashem should help them. Go take that to Hillel and say, my parents are always fighting with each other. So don't get angry at them that they're fighting with each other. They're married 33 years. They could love each other and have the most amazing marriage. And instead they don't talk to each other. Nebuch. They're my parents. Nebuch. They have no life. Let me, who has, who puts that in there to Hillel? You're busy putting in this sick person, that sick person. I don't want to dominate for my parents. They should be happy. I want to dominate for my brother. He's fighting with my parents all the time. You know what it is to have a parent? You know how lucky you are to have a parent? Well, you're going to wait till they put him in the box and then you walk up and say, you Michael me, I'm sorry for everything I did. When it's too late, when you can't see their smile, when you can't feel their touch, that's what we're going to wait for when it's too late. Sure, but every Levi, everybody says, oh, mommy, I hope you're Michael me. It's too late. It's too late. You have a parent. So, so if you see a brother, that's fighting with your parents and, and you can't talk to him, daven for him, that Hashem should give him das, that he has parents, or you see your parents that are not getting along with their children, daven for them, the greatest gift in the world. People spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to have children. The greatest gift in the world is to have a child. So if you see a parent, when I get a parent that comes to talk to me and they're so disconnected from their child, I should get angry at them? When they leave my room, I should say, Hashem, I'm begging you Put in their heart to love their child. You know what it is to have a child? Don't get angry. And you should know that it saved, it saved me because there's a shul that I daven in called Landau's. It's in, in, in Flatbush. Every 15 minutes, Minyanum. It's a minion factory. It's an amazing place. Two years ago, I was davening Shachris. I daven the same minion pretty much all the time. There's this very nice old man who came out of the war. He's like one of the one, only ones left from the concentration camps. And he dominates there, and he's a sweet man. He dominates very slowly and very quietly. One day, I come to Shul, and he's sitting there, and I'm sitting, I sit next to him. And then in the corner, this guy walks in, and he's got his uh, raspberry, blueberry, whatever you call it, phone or whatever, and he's got his little earpiece, his little Bluetooth. You know, I'll tell you one day a story about the Bluetooth. The most embarrassing moment in my whole life was a Bluetooth story. Some of you girls heard the story. In Glotman, I was shopping for Shabbos, and this lady was wheeling her... This is my ADD. I'm going off to another story. So so she, she's walking with this cart, and I'm walking, and I'm, you know, buying flanking for the cholent and a couple of beans and this and that. And all of a sudden, she looks up and she says, you must come to us for Shabbos. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Now, I have a problem because because there's thousands of women that I give classes to, and the most insulting thing is when a student walks up to me and says, Rawasi, what's my name? And that girl's been in my shift for five years, and I don't even recognize her. And if I'm going to tell her I don't know her name, she's going to be very insulted, right? So, so I, I beg people not to ask me that question. But many times I forget people that I give shiurim to. So here's this woman inviting me to her house for Shabbos, and I don't recognize her. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm going to say, well, maybe I'll come with my wife for you and my family to Shabbos if you would tell me who you are, and she's going to go, what do you mean? I'm your wife's best friend. I'm your cousin. Or, or I go, I've been by your shield for five years. And we go, so I have to make a decision here. Do I hurt this woman's feelings or don't hurt her? So I'm like, uh. she's like, no, I'm not taking no for an answer. <laughs> I'm not taking no for an answer. You and your wife and the family are coming to us for Shabbos. So I'm like, she probably spoke to Esty. She probably spoke to my wife already. No, no strange woman is going to come in the middle of Gwapwa and invite me for Shabbos. So I'm like, okay, you know what? Um, I stopped putting by, back the meat, the flanking and everything. We're going to them for Shabbos. And I'm like, okay, I guess you spoke to my wife. It would be my pleasure to be, to come to you for Shabbos. She looks at me like I'm some strange man hitting on her. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, this is like a frozen moment in time. She's looking at me. I'm looking at her. And I'm like, something's wrong here. And then she turns her head to the meat, to where the meat is. And there it is. Flashing in her ear. She wasn't talking to me. She was talking to her Bluetooth. So she was inviting for someone for Shabbos. And there I am. I'm coming with my family. It's a true story. I was crazy, crazy embarrassed. Anyway, I just uh, lightly picked up my flunking, put it back in my cart, and just, and probably, you know, anytime Everson mentions to her, you know, uh, I went to Robert Wallstein's share, he's a weirdo. <laughs> he invited himself to my house for Shabbos, the man is a weirdo. Don't do that. Don't, don't talk in your phone when you're, when you're, out, when you're outside. There, there are human beings out there, you know, when you go to the bank, don't be talking in your Bluetooth. There's a person on the other side. I see it all the time. You know, girls and boys, they go to a store, they're at the cash register, they're talking on their phone. There's a human being that's, that's working there. Look at her. She's working. She's a human. How, do you, how dare you talk to someone else when someone else is doing something for you? You go into the bank, you stick to the deposit slip. Meanwhile, you don't even look at the person that's there. You're busy on your phone. That's not their charitz. Forget about walking into the house when your parents are there or sitting at a, at a kitchen table by supper and being on your cell phone underneath texting. What is that? Your parents want to talk to you. What are you texting? They're, they're, they're nothing? They're not, they're not human? Terrible, though. The phone, that's a different shear. The phone has destroyed us. Destroyed us. We don't even know how to talk. There are people that don't know how to talk. Kids are going to be born. It's not going to be, let's hear the first word he says. It's going to be, let's see the first word he texts. <laughs> nobody talks to anyone anymore. The whole, the whole situation is over. It's, it's, okay, you have, you have three minutes left. Anyway, where was I? Landau's. Landau's. So, thank you, Elo, but Landau's. So anyway, so this guy's on his phone, and the old man turns to him and says, No! No! You, know, you can't talk by Davin. He's talking on his phone, little Davin. No! This guy totally ignores him like he doesn't exist. Now, this guy, I never saw this guy in shul before, so he's not a regular guy, right? Okay. Now we're between Bolsha Omar and Yishtabach, and the guy just keeps talking on his phone. Now, I'm getting, you know, with all my temper control... My temperature was not controlled. And I'm getting a little, you know. And the old man again says to him, now we're already almost up to my birth. He goes, no, 
Guy doesn't even, doesn't, even, doesn't even look at him. So now I'm like, okay, it's hockey time. <laughs> and I turn around to him and I say, and, and I'm not, you're not supposed to talk about that, I couldn't, I said, excuse me, take yourself and your phone. You need to talk to someone, I don't know, maybe you're hot to solve. I don't know what you're doing, but you're aggravating this man, you're not allowed to talk to him, please, just go outside, finish your phone, we'll come back. That's all I said. This guy bangs on the table like this, in the middle of shul. Now, in the middle of shul, place is full. Every, this is what this guy does. Everybody, stop davening. Everybody looks up. This guy, I never saw him before, right? The great Rabbi Wallerstein. In case you don't know who he is, the rabbi of the women. This is what we're doing in shul. I'm I'm standing there, I'm, I'm... The rabbi of the women has spoken. Take your phone outside of shul. And he's mamish making chayzik. He's making fun of me. He's undressing me. He's undressing me in front of everyone. He is making fun of me. Now let me tell you. 25 years ago, he wasn't alive anymore. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. In the tulum bag, with his shorosh, goes his head. Together. I'm, I'm not kidding. It's over. His life is over. He does not, his life is over. So for the first second, his life was almost over. And then I thought to myself... Just relax, right? Don't, don't do anything rash. And, and think for a second. Instead of taking the mutzah that you told him, he just, he would just mavai shubarabim. So he doesn't, he's not going to Elm Haba. He could do, he could do a million mitzvahs, give two billion dollars, build yeshivas. He's never going to see Ganeden. Because hamavayish chaveru barabim ain lo chelik lo haba. He's done. That's number one. Number two, he has no connection to God. He has no feelings for God. He has no feelings for a shul. He has no feelings for tefillin. One big, huge nabach. I feel bad for him. He's a one sick puppy. He doesn't have any connection to Hashem. I should get angry at him. Nobody ever, maybe nobody ever taught him. Maybe he's angry. I don't know what his problem is. And I didn't say one word. And he finished diving. He finally got off his phone. He finished diving and he walked out. Before he walked out, I wrote down his name from his tulum bag. This old man was standing next to me. He was shaking. Shaking. He was so aggravated that nobody could calm him down. I walked over to him. I said, I just want to tell you something. I said, you went to the Holocaust. You have numbers on your arm. I always watch him put his tulum on. I said, you can daven Hashem more than I can daven Hashem. Don't be angry at this person. Daven for this person. Here's his name. It was on his tulum bag. Do me a favor, down with him. He's never so sick. I'm going to be Michael him so that he can get Ganeiden. I'm going to be Michael him. But I'm going to be Michael him. And you, daven for him. So he looked up for me. He looked, he looked at me first like a little weird, right? And then he said, Do you really think it would help? I said, For sure. What else is going to help this guy? Daven for him. He doesn't understand Tfilah. He doesn't understand Hashem. He doesn't understand anything. If you would daven for him, I'm sure Hashem will happen. He'll do tshuva. And, 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 and he'll change. And one day he's going to be a big tzaddik. The man calmed down. He was a different person when he left shul. So, instead of being angry at people, and angry sometimes at your parents, even when you're right, go and take a sitter or to heal him, and daven for them that they should be happy, and they shouldn't be so nervous, and they shouldn't be so uptight. And if somebody embarrasses you, feel sorry for them. They have no feelings. That they could hurt another person like that. And your whole life 
and maybe this is what you should do in Elul, your whole life will totally change. My whole life, because that really saved my life. It totally changed. I look at people differently. My whole, the whole reason I'm in, that I do what I do is because when I see someone that's not keeping Shabbos, that's not eating kosher, that's not shemini gia, that that's not doing the right thing, instead of getting angry, I'm like, oh boy, we got a daven for this person. I have compassion for that person. I have pity for that person. I want to help that person. Instead of being angry at the world, I want to change the world. I have compassion for the world. I want to save the world. You can't get rid of an emotion. But you can change an emotion. And that's why these two things are together. In Adam Lechavero, in Adam Lamakam. And a person who is able to do that, and that's the secret that I'm giving you. A person who is able to change anger, even when you're right, into compassion, into love, has the power on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to turn to Hashem and say, I need you to do the same thing I'm doing, Hashem. To turn your anger, because you deserve, I deserve that you're angry at me, I need you to turn that into compassion. That instead of on the Yom Hadin, when the Shatan comes and says, she did this, and she did that, and she did this, and it's on the movie, Hashem, look at this, and look at that, you should be really angry at her. Hashem, you're going to say, her? She doesn't get angry. She davens when someone hurts her. So you know what I'm going to do for her? Not only, I'm telling you a secret from the deepest, deepest wells of Kabbalah, what I'm telling you right now. Listen carefully to what I'm telling you. When the Yetzirah comes on Yom Kippur Rosh Hashanah and says, she did this and she did this and she did this, Hashem, you should be angry at her and you should punish her. Hashem's going to say, how can I? She takes her anger and she turns it into compassion and she dabbits for people who hurt her. So not only am I going to forgive her for what she did to make me angry, I'm going to dabbit for her. That next year, she won't even have these trials and tribulations that she had last year. You have 27 days to practice this. To Rosh Hashanah. To change the whole way you feel inside. And that when you're hurt, instead of being hurt, to take that and whoever hurt you, daven for them. One thing I have to tell you, though, before I end. Don't try this at home. What do I mean, don't try this at home? I gave this shit to a bunch of guys, and I said, let me tell you something. If you think you're going to go home, your wife's going to be yelling at you. And you're going to, in the middle of her yelling at you, and she's angry, you didn't bring home the right groceries, you showed up an hour late, and you're going to turn to her and say, Stop! I need your Hebrew name and your mother's name, because I want to say Tehillim for you. It ain't going to work. It's going to get a lot worse. So, if she's screaming and yelling, take it. Try to do what she wants you to do. And then, when you dive into Hashem, say, Hashem, help my wife that she should be more calm and she should be more happy. And if that's the way we're going to live the next 27 days, everyone in this room is guaranteed to have a kasimah v'chasimah tayvah. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.